From the great American Pacific Northwest, greetings and welcome, my friends, to this week's edition of the Parachronicle Almanac. I'm Jonathan Hawk. This week, we'll hear more about that July 2019 UAP swarm around U.S. Navy vessels off the coast of California. Well, we've, we've seen government-confirmed footage from a few weeks ago of objects above those ships, and now there's video of the radar tracking during that same time, also confirmed by the U.S. Navy as being legit. It is getting sp- Spicy out there in Disclosure Land. Speaking of disclosure, we'll hear about a report of the Canadian military tracking incidents involving UFOs for the last 70 years. And while Mars and our moon seem to be getting all of the attention of late, what about Venus? Poor old Venus. Don't worry, NASA has a plan for that. And an Australian fishing town being haunted by a doll? Well, you might want to hold off on the wheat bix in case this story causes any accidents down under. (laughs) All of that and more is coming right up. Now, before we get to the news, don't forget to like or subscribe on whatever platform you're listening on, or pass this podcast on to spread the word about our show. And we're always looking for stories from you, paranormal or otherwise, so give us a call on the Parachronicle hotline at 818-570-0126 if you'd like your story featured on a future episode. That's 818-570-0126. Save it to your contacts. Or... You can always email at hawk at theparachronicle.com. That's H-A-W-K-E at theparachronicle.com. And on that note, let's dive right in. Well, we start off this week with a story about newly released radar footage showing UFOs swarming U.S. Navy vessels in 2019. This from the New York Post. The filmmaker who leaked footage of UFOs harassing a warship off the coast of California in 2019 released new radar footage Thursday that purportedly shows the USS Omaha being swarmed by unidentified aerial phenomenon. Jeremy Corbell claims the video was filmed in the Combat Information Center of the ship on July 15, 2019. Earlier this month, he introduced footage taken aboard the USS Omaha of a mysterious spherical object flying over the ship before disappearing into the ocean. Quote, this is corroborative electro-optic data demonstrating a significant UFO event series in a warning area off San Diego, Corbell tweeted Thursday. The new unclassified clip shows sailors aboard the Omaha observing as many as nine UFOs swarming the ship at speeds approaching 160 miles per hour. Quote, holy bleep, (laughs) they're going fast, a sailor is heard saying before adding, oh, it's turning around. The Pentagon had previously confirmed that an 18-second video Corbell leaked of three UFOs hovering over the USS Russell in July 2019 is authentic. Corbell and his associate, KLAS-TV Las Vegas investigative reporter George Knapp, appeared on Knapp's paranormal focus show Mystery Wire Thursday to discuss the new clip. Quote, luckily we have footage from the CIC, which is also known as the Combat Information Center, that was obtained by a crew that was specifically called in to film these anomalous events, Corbell said on the program. The filmmaker said that at one point, 14 UFOs could be seen on the Navy radar, but that footage was not provided. It supports the hypothesis that these are not just a balloon that is dropping into the water. It's not something that is easily explained. These are true unidentifieds in mass number, he said. 
The unidentified aerial phenomena were part of a series of strange intrusions involving nine U.S. Navy ships in the Pacific Ocean in July 2019, the researchers said. The objects are truly of unknown origins, Knapp said. If they are foreign drones, they displayed abilities to exceed our own technologies, anything we know of, that is, and some of them appeared to be transmedium craft. They could fly in the air, they could enter the ocean, travel through water as easy as they travel through air. While the Department of Defense had not issued a public statement on that latest footage Thursday night, and the new disclosure comes as defense officials are preparing to present Congress with a report detailing everything the government knows about UFOs this month in June, a mandate that was attached to former President Donald Trump's $2.3 trillion COVID-19 bill in December. On Wednesday, it was revealed that Lou Elizondo, a former head of the Advanced Aerospace Threat Identification Program, otherwise known as ATIP, filed a complaint against the Pentagon claiming officials tried to assassinate his character after he blew the whistle on UFO evidence. Quote, the level of interest is reaching a critical mass, Elizondo told the Post in April. I think government officials realized that it would be like putting the cat back in a bag or like putting toothpaste back in the tube. Now that the government has acknowledged the reality of unexplained aerial phenomenon, it's going to be real hard to backtrack. And I kind of agree. It's uh, The cat is out of the proverbial bag. Uh, and I'd say uh, I've seen a lot of speculation out there on um, social media. And there was a lot of speculation that June 1st was going to be the date that the report was released to Congress and then perhaps a few days later make it to the public. Ultimately, that did not happen. It's been a few days. The report hasn't come out. And I believe the actual date that uh, the deadline anyway, that the report is supposed to be delivered to Congress is at the end of June, I think June 25th. And if you're anything like me and have all the faith in the world in the United States government to deliver on anything on time, chances are I'm guessing at the very earliest, this report probably won't be available until the end of this month. And if I had to guess, purely speculation on my part, probably sometime in July. But who knows? We'll see what happens. But really interesting, this radar footage, if you have a chance, go check it out. It's all over the place. It's on YouTube. It's on Mystery Wire. Uh, very interesting to see these hits on radar that are presumably the objects that were seen in the videos from a few weeks ago. So go check it out. Really cool to see. And in the back of my mind, I've often wondered whether other countries, other nations are tracking UFOs, UAPs, USOs the same way we know the US government has throughout the years. And indeed, I believe we've received confirmation that the Soviets slash Russians have over the years and as have the Chinese and several other European countries and really uh, a lot of countries around the world, Brazil, South America. Well, MSN is reporting that the Canadian military has reports of UFO sightings dating back 70 years. A new report describes roughly a dozen UFO sightings by the Canadian military, with some dating back 70 years, highlighting the strange phenomenon ahead of a highly anticipated government report in the U.S., the Canadian sightings took place at military bases dating back to 1950 and were uncovered by Vice through access to information requests, public records, and interviews. It comes as the Pentagon prepares to deliver its report on UFO sightings to Congress later this month, with some lawmakers pushing for information to be made public. 
The earliest Canadian incident described in the new report dates back to March 1950, when a pair of Air Force officers witnessed an orange pulsating symmetrical light speeding over Ottawa. On April 12, 1952, two officers at CFB North Bay spotted something apparently round, like an amber traffic light. They said it moved at a very great rate of speed, comparable to twice the speed of an F-86 jet fighter, otherwise known as a saber jet, I believe, and then skidded to a stop, reverse direction, and disappeared at a greater rate of speed on reversal than on approach. The F-86 fighter jet, which was retired in 1980, was rated for a top speed of 650 miles per hour. In another incident from November 1967, a sergeant at CFB Moose Jaw reported a very bright light at an altitude of three to 4,000 feet with what appeared to the observer as small moons arcing the, plane arcing the outer perimeter of light. The witness said that as the object began to move, it appeared to the observer to be elongated in shape before quickly soaring upward. On August 21st, 1968, a Canadian Navy crew on a pair of destroyers in the Pacific spotted multiple bright objects flying in formation. In another sighting at CFB Moose John, December 15, 1978, several privates and a captain sighted four objects in line that were circular, whitish with orange and light red, slightly above the northern horizon traveling west to east. Also in 1978, a white spot turning blue and red was seen traveling in zigzag formation above Ontario's CFB Borden base. A few years later, in 1981, John Patrick McCannis spotted a UFO at CFB Shiloh in Manitoba. Within a moment or two, it shot directly away from us, diminishing the brightness as it disappeared at a fantastic speed, he told Vice. Another witness came forward to describe an incident at CFB Winnipeg in June 1985. John Jock Williams told the outlet he saw the single brightest object he's ever seen in the sky next to the sun. More recently, several military sightings of UFOs have been catalogued in the Canadian government's Aviation Incident Database. One from November 27, 2002 describes an observation on NORAD radar of a large tubular object between 37 and 47,000 feet in the area of Chicago, which was moving toward the Thunder Bay area. Another from the night of November 21, 2008 describes Canadian Armed Forces personnel notifying civilian air traffic controllers of a, quote, UFO east of Regina, Saskatchewan. The incident report states the object was stationary with bright white lights and had been observed on previous occasions. One incident on September 14th, boy, this is a long list of incidents. This tells you how many times the Canadian military has seen UFOs. One incident on September 14th, 2007 at CFB North Bay had dozens of witnesses and was recorded on video that has not been made public. Witnesses described an intense light that hovered over the base and moved slowly upward before fading with the rising sun. A spokesperson for Canada's Department of National Defense told Vice that it is not aware of any Canadian nexus or participation in the U.S. Department of Defense's UFO studies at this time, nor does the Canadian Armed Forces have a unit dedicated to investigating UFOs. By the end of this month, the Pentagon's Director of National Intelligence is required to turn over a report on U.S. military sightings of UFOs to Congress. An unclassified version will be made public, while a more detailed classified version will remain secret and anticipation has been mounting over what might be revealed. Recently, 60 Minutes interviewed U.S. Navy pilots who said they had inexplicable aircraft that flew faster and were more maneuverable than anything seen before. 
Retired officials with access to classified intelligence have been cashing in on the fervor and drumming up the mystery. Quote, what is true, and I'm actually being serious here, is that there's footage and records of objects in the sky that we don't know exactly what they are, former President Barack Obama said in a May 17th interview. There are a lot more sightings that have been made public, John Ratcliffe, who is director of national intelligence for the last eight months of Donald Trump's administration, said back in March. There are instances where we don't have good explanations for some of the things that we've seen. And so the mystery and anticipation continue until the report finally makes it to the public. Well, we move away from the topic of UFOs now and move on to something a little bit more creepy and potentially sinister. Is a doll in North Queensland, Australia, haunting local fishermen? This from AU News. Locals in a North Queensland town are convinced that a haunted little girl doll sitting on a swing next to a mangrove swamp is to blame for a handful of spooky incidents. In Lucinda, located 90 minutes north of Townsville and home to just over 400 people, the doll hangs on a tree swing near the Hitchinbrook Channel, a popular destination for anglers fishing, though nobody is sure how she got there. Speaking to the Townsville Bulletin, residents claim the toy brings bad luck to those who cross her, from boat motor troubles to lost fishing gear. Hitchinbrook MP Nick DeMeto told the publication everyone he had spoken to about the doll was a little unnerved by the sight of her. Quote, everyone seems to know about the doll, but nobody really wants to talk about it, he said. Residents are intrigued, but also weary of the doll's origins. He continues, everyone I've talked to has said they have no idea how the doll got there or who may have placed it on the swing, which hangs off a low-lying tree. Every question I ask people seems to lead to more questions. It's just become a real local mystery. One business owner told the Townsville Bulletin the doll had been created by a, a lovely local couple after a previous doll they'd made and placed on the side of the road went missing last year. But Domino said he'd heard rumors of people getting into trouble when out on the water after saying a quick hello to the doll. Quote, I've heard stories of people who've gotten too close to the doll having bad luck while out boating or fishing, he said. This might be pure circumstance or just a modern wives' tale, but it's something I'm definitely not willing to toy with. No, no pun intended, of course. Oof. And from Space Policy Online, NASA picks not just one, but two Venus missions as next in the Discovery series. NASA will send not just one, but two spacecraft to study Venus as the next two missions in its discovery series of mid-sized planetary exploration projects. Da Vinci Plus and Veritas will be the first U.S. spacecraft specifically designed to study Earth's sister planet in more than 30 years. Enshrouded in clouds of sulfuric acid with a surface environment often described as hell, Venus nonetheless is so close in size and proximity to the sun that it is called Earth's sister. How it evolved so differently differently is a mystery scientists are eager to solve. Many spacecraft have been sent to study Venus, but the last dedicated U.S. Venus probe, Magellan, finished its work almost 30 years ago. The Venus science community has been trying for years to win approval for more missions, but with the entire solar system to explore and a finite budget, NASA has selected other targets for its discovery program of competed principal investigator-led missions that cost about $500 million each. 
NASA Administrator Bill Nelson announced the selection of the two Venus missions at a State of NASA briefing to, uh, a couple days ago at NASA headquarters in Washington, D.C. Now, Da Vinci Plus, which is uh, abbreviation for Deep Atmosphere Venus Investigation of Noble Gases Chemistry and Imaging Plus, will study the atmosphere of Venus. The spacecraft consists of an orbiter and a probe equipped with an array of instruments that will descend through the atmosphere, which is 90 times denser than Earth's and traps heat, making the surface of Venus 900 degrees Fahrenheit. And now the second probe called Veritas, which is an abbreviation for Venus Emissivity Radio Science Insar Topography and Spectroscopy, is a cooperative project with the German, Italian, and French space agencies. An orbiter with a synthetic aperture radar, it will map the surface of Venus to create 3D reconstructions of, of topography and map infrared emissions to determine if active volcanoes are releasing water vapor into the atmosphere. Da Vinci Plus and Veritas are two of four missions that competed in the current round of Discovery Class mission selections, the ninth in the series that began in 1992. This was not their first time through the proposal process either. The head of NASA's science program, Thomas Zerbuchin, commented today that the proposals benefited from the experience and were much improved this time. Each mission will also take along a technology demonstration adjunct. NASA recently has been touting the value of including high-risk technology demonstration to advance the state of the art. The most recent example is the Ingenuity helicopter that arrived on Mars as part of the Mars Perseverance mission. Veritas will host the Deep Space Atomic Clock 2, an ultra-precise clock signal that will ultimately enable autonomous spacecraft maneuvers and enhance radio science observations. Da Vinci Plus will host the Compact Ultraviolet to Visible Imaging Spectrum Spectrometer, otherwise known as QVIS, to make high-resolution measurements of ultraviolet light using a new instrument based on freeform optics. Da Vinci Plus and Veritas will launch in the 2028 to 2030 timeframe. So we've got a little bit of time, but something to look forward to at the end of this decade for sure. I'm excited to see that. And finally this week, from WRBL Columbus, Georgia, shots fired at National Park after alleged Bigfoot sighting. Federal officials are investigating in an incident involving at least one gunshot fired over the weekend at Mammoth Cave National Park that was prompted by an alleged sighting of Bigfoot. A spokesperson for the National Park said law enforcement rangers responded around 2 a.m. Sunday to an incident involving a person with a firearm at one of the park's backcountry campsites. While the park did not release any additional information, a camper named Brad Jin told News 2 that he and his girlfriend were there at the time. Jin said that the two went to sleep at about 11 p.m. and woke up at around 1 a.m. to find people shining flashlights on their tent. The couple exited their tent to find a man and his young son approaching. According to Jin, the man explained that something had destroyed his campsite and that he kept hearing strange sounds, so he's going to investigate because this was, quote, this was, quote, Bigfoot country. Actually, that's not entirely untrue. Jin's girlfriend claimed she heard the same sounds. The man reportedly showed the couple his gun and told them if they heard gunshots, they should run. Jin and his girlfriend returned to their tent and said about five to ten minutes later, they heard at least one gunshot. The man and his son returned to the couple's tent and stated that Bigfoot had emerged from the woods and approached them so he had fired his weapon. Due to the bizarre circumstances, Jin said he and his girlfriend immediately packed up, and who wouldn't, and left the campsite. The incident remains under investigation by park law enforcement officials. 
Well, that's it. That's all I've got for this week. Don't forget to reach out if you see something unusual in the sky or someplace else, or if you have an interesting story to tell, we'd love to hear from you. You can call our hotline at 818-570-0126 or find us at www.theparachronicle.com. And of course, please like or subscribe on whatever platform you're listening on or pass this podcast on to spread the word about our little show here. And until next time, keep your eyes to the sky and know that here on Earth and in the universe, we are not alone. For the Parachronicle Almanac, I'm Jonathan Hawke. <laughs>